0: Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, You need Indeed.
0: Arguably to this point in the 2023 football season. As South Carolina falls to Tennessee, 41-20 to Saturday night in Knoxville. My top takeaways from the weekend that was under the lights at Neyland Stadium. And we'll start with this, guys. Before we get to everything that took place on the field. Because certainly there's a lot to discuss a lot to break down, and a lot to banter. Maybe I'm naive, but color me surprised by the reaction on social media amongst Gamecock Nation since the clock hit zero in Knoxville. And what I mean by that is this. The pure vitriol that I have seen, not just angst and anger and losing, not just complaints about officiating or Tennessee did this, what they did or didn't do, the commentary surrounding the future of Gamecocks football and specifically Shane Beamer. And what it shows me, guys, is this, that no coach is immune to the effects of losing not even a guy like Shane Beamer. You know, we talk all the time about the culture and, you know, what Shane Beamer's done at this point in his tenure. And, you know, I get asked a lot, especially over the course of the offseason, especially after the way South Carolina ended last season. And Shane Beamer at that point was a man that could do no wrong, right? Gamecock Nation would jump all over you, even at the, the slightest sign of you being slightly critical of South Carolina's head football coach and the program as a whole. Nobody wanted to hear anything over the offseason about, you know, discussions about the transfer portal or discussions about recruiting or discussions about the football team itself or what have you. Any type of critical analysis of Shane Beamer specifically and the job he had done to this point in assembling this team for the 2023 season, nobody wanted to hear it. And all it was was fair conversation, fair criticism, what have you. Either way, that's sort of aside the point. I have just been somewhat stunned, guys. And maybe it's because of the era of college football we're in. I think that's got a lot to do with it, right? Transfer portal, NIL. We are seeing programs get turned around more quickly than they ever have been before. But the chatter since Saturday night to me, guys, and to you as well should be this. It's, it's a humbling reminder that winning and losing trumps all. It does not matter what culture you build. It does not matter the graduation rate of your program. It, it does not matter how much your players love each other, brotherhood, love above all else. None of those mantras, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff matters. It comes down to winning and losing football games. I think, again, though, what surprised me is just this almost sense of, like, severe impatience to where after a game against Tennessee, which, guys, now that it's happened, a game against Tennessee that South Carolina was always going to lose We talked about it over the course of the offseason, guys, when I labeled wins, toss-ups, and losses. Yes, I put Tennessee in the toss-up category out of sheer principle because I gave Carolina a 0% chance last year to win that football game, and it blew up in my face. I was not going to call that a for-sure loss coming in the season. But I also mentioned of all the toss-up games, of all the toss-up games, that one was the most likely L. And after what happened last year, Tennessee circling that game on their counter, whether you want to call it their their Super Bowl or not, what have you, the revenge factor, and then the second that game was announced as a night game at Neyland Stadium, it was done. South Carolina was never winning that football game. And some of you may not like to hear that, but that's just the truth, guys. And so when you factor that in, When you factor in the challenge that was presented to the Gamecocks, and and we'll get more in the details, more in the weeds, because I understand. Listen, I'm not saying don't be critical, don't have banter after a performance like that, a three-touchdown loss to a team that you beat last year. But I'm just surprised that five games into year three of the Shane Beamer era And I don't think it's a large portion of fans, guys. I really don't. But at this point, I feel like one is one too many. I'm just really surprised. Some of the commentary I'm seeing around Shane Beamer. Because when Shane Beamer was hired, guys, I viewed it as, okay, this guy's never been a head coach before. He loves South Carolina. That's a great start. It's his dream job. Great start. But he's never been a head coach. And so... There's going to be growing pains top to bottom. He is learning on the job. There's going to be growing pains in recruiting. There's going to be growing pains in personnel. There's going to be growing pains in hiring coordinators, hiring position coaches. There's going to be growing pains across the board. What may have taken a coach, a veteran coach, a coach who had won before as a head coach, what may have taken him three to four years, is going to probably take Shane Beamer twice as long because he's never done it before. And I understand that excuse will only last so long. That excuse is not going to live forever, especially in this day and age of college football. I get that. But I thought Shane Beamer would at least get five years before folks really started bringing out the pitchforks and the torches after a loss. And so the energy that we've seen I'm not telling you that it's good. I'm not telling you that it's bad. I'm sitting here as somewhat of an indifferent observer just looking at the reactions, looking at the commentary. And especially when you factor in those are some of the same people that over the offseason, you couldn't say one thing, one critical thing, without getting them all worked up those same people are now questioning Shane Beamer as the leader of the football program. And it just, it's surprising to me. And it just goes to show, it doesn't matter how much your players love each other, how much loves in your program, or how much you think you've changed the culture, or or, or what what have you. None of that off-the-field stuff matters. Because no coach is immune to what losing will do
1: to you. We're driven by the search for better.
0: People ask me all the time, Chris, is Shane Beamer a lifer at South Carolina? Does he, you know, the way the fans, I mean, he's just, he's, he can do no wrong. And when people ask me that, guys, I believe in Shane Beamer and the future of this football program. That loss to Tennessee does not change that, guys. I picked Carolina to lose. I knew they were going to lose. And you knew it too, and you didn't want to admit it to yourself. South Carolina was never winning that football game. Bottom line, point blank, in a story. You were never walking in a Neyland and getting that win after what you did at Tennessee last year. Never. Never was it happening. And so I'm just surprised with that in mind, the energy that's coming from Gamecock Nation right now. I'm not telling you it's right or wrong or what have you. I'm just surprised. I am a bit surprised. And Gamecock Nation never fails to surprise me. But when people ask, Chris, is he a lifer at South Carolina?" This is a very humbling reminder. The energy from Gamecock Nation since Saturday, it's a very humbling reminder that no matter how much goodwill you've built up, no matter how much love's in the program, is Shane Beamer a lifer at South Carolina? How many games he wins will determine that because college football fans as a whole, they'll love you one minute, but it's a conditional love. It's a we love you as long as you're winning. That's what it comes down to. Wins and losses are all that matter in the business of college football and especially SEC football. Now, let's get on the field. What exactly happened on Saturday night? Guys, I I, I strongly believe things are only going to get worse before they get better for the USC offensive line. You know, we talked about it all week long, the challenges up front, and then you heard that Ja'Kai Moore was out and he did not travel. And so you had two freshmen starting on the offensive line, in a hostile SEC environment against a really, really good front seven for Tennessee. And so at that point, I knew, okay, this is an even greater challenge than we once thought it was going to be. Now, is it the right move to play these young guys? I think it is. I certainly don't want to see Sidney Fugar trotting back out there. I don't want to see some of these other veteran guys that ain't played worth a damn in their years at Carolina trot back out there. I know you don't either. But for the South Carolina offensive front, and it's so maddening because, guys, we've been talking offensive line woes for years, for decades at South Carolina, it seems. I mean, the offensive line, it seems like it's always a problem year in, year out. But you got whipped up front. I mean, you got whipped up front. Big tree bubble latte, God bless the kid. He's going to have some great nights in Garnet Black. Got his ass whipped all night. Trovon Bow struggled as well. The entire offensive line immensely struggled. Yes, you had a 100-yard rusher in Marvio Anderson. To be fair, 75 of those were on one carry. Outside of the 75-yard touchdown run, nine carries for 26 yards. Less than three yards a carry. South Carolina, 27 for 132. Again, 75 on one carry. You take that 75 away, what? That's 26 for, see if I can do math really quickly, 67? No, 57, excuse me, 57. 26 for 57 outside of that one long touchdown run. And why I say I think it's going to get worse before it gets better is this, guys. Think about it next year. Sure, Big Trubalade and Trovon Bowe will be much better because of these experiences. I think baptism by fire is the way to go. But you're going to be right back in this position with guys like Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, Marquis Anderson, who's not playing because of injury, guys who haven't played before, and starting youngsters up front. So I know the offensive line issues are maddening. I mean, the offensive line reverted back on Saturday night to what we saw against North Carolina. Six sacks in that ballgame for Tennessee. Outside of the 75-yard touchdown run, could not run the football yet again, less than three yards per carry. Help is on the way. But is there enough patience to let that help come in, develop, mature? And how much pressure does it put on guys like Alani Teasley, the offensive line coach, to develop that talent and get them ready to go? And also, by the way, on a side note, which we'll get here in a second, How is South Carolina scheming around that or scheming to help those young guys up front? More on that in a second, guys. Another big takeaway for me. Again, you you blame it on the offensive line. You have to. That's where it starts. I don't put an immense amount of blame on Spencer Rattler, but Spencer Rattler's human after all, man. 24-35, 169 had the one interception that was extremely costly. The pick six right there before the half. You know, Spencer Rattler can only do so much, guys. He can only do so much. He's a human being, right? He's a quarterback. He's not a miracle worker. And at some point when you have a one-man football team, that one man just can't do it all. And it was going to take a lot more than one man to beat Tennessee in Neyland under the lights. It was going to take a lot more than one guy. I know Mario Anderson popped off with the one good run. I know Trey Knox had some catches late. More on that in a second. But, you know, I... I, I don't, this doesn't change like my perception of Spencer Rattler or how I view him. I mean, I think he did the absolute best he could with what he had available. And I think the more sickening thing is that, guys, these are going to continue to be issues more than likely. That the offensive line, it's not getting fixed overnight with a pair of freshmen. And I think the thing that's somewhat sickening is that Spencer Rattler, I think we all agree, is the most talented quarterback to ever step foot. On campus. And unfortunately, his career will amount to nothing more than winning eight games in a season. It it, it will never amount to more than that. This year, probably looking at a six or seven win season with the best quarterback you've ever had playing at the highest level he's ever played at. And it still won't amount to more than that. I understand why that's a tough pill to swallow. Spencer Rattler's human. And... You know, the fact that South Carolina is asking him to be more than that on a week-in, week-out basis, it's just tough to make a living, guys, when you have nobody else to help your quarterback, especially up front. Guys, To some of the decisions that were made on Saturday night, play calling and personnel issues. All of a sudden, this has really become an issue. It really has. Um, I'm not sitting here calling for for Dabble Loggins or Clayton White or Pete Limbaugh, what have you, but let's just look at a couple scenarios here. Some of your third and short decisions. South Carolina, by the way, guys, on third and I think four or less, went like one of six. They were abysmal in third and shorts, which is where you want to get. You want to get to third and short. Those are the convertible third downs. Some of the decision-making that was taking place. Running Juju McDowell on a third and one or third and two, when you have Mario Anderson, at your disposal. Guys, some of the fourth and short decisions, the decision to go for it after the fake punt when you could have just taken the points, going forward on fourth and inches and not converting and not getting it. Guys, let me stop and say this. My grandfather was a great influence in my life. He's the reason I'm a Gamecock fan today. He told me one time, he said, son, if we can't get three feet then we don't deserve to win. And that was in a scenario, of course, South Carolina went for it, I think, on a fourth and one and got stuffed. And so, with that energy, I'll say this. If you can't get a fourth and inches, if you cannot get an inch, you can't push forward and get one inch, you don't deserve to win the football game. South Carolina did not deserve to win the football game. When you're getting outmanned and outclassed at that level, But again, play calling was an issue, right? Dabble Loggins, I thought, had his most suspect game of his tenure thus far at South Carolina. Again, offensive line, major issue. But how are they scheming around the offensive line, guys? How are you helping out Big Tree Babalotti at left tackle? Are you leaving a running back in there to chip and pick up the blitz? You did that against Mississippi State, I thought. But how are you helping out that young offensive line? So many... Swing passes. So many questionable decisions on third and short, fourth and short. And then the personnel issues, which may be the bigger issue. It may be the bigger issue in this scenario. The usage of DeCabrian Joyner at running back. The usage of Juju McDowell on those third and shorts. The usage of Luke Doty. At wide receiver. Guys, I'm gonna say this. I, I am a firm believer these coaches know what they're doing. Like, like this is their livelihood. Let's go ahead and clear the air on something. I don't believe that sympathy snaps are happening. I don't think coaches are playing favorites. You know, I saw that a lot this weekend. DeKabryon Joyner and Luke Doty are out there because Shane Beamer feels like he owes them something or he's saying thank you for what they've done for Gamecock Nation. Guys, this is their livelihood. This is how these coaches pay their bills. They go out there. They watch practice. They play the best available that they believe is the best available. With that being said, Do I believe that Shane Beamer, Dabble Loggins, that coaching staff, is playing the 22, the 44, however? Are they putting the best product out there they believe that gives South Carolina football the best chance to win games? Yes, I firmly believe that. I don't think coaches are playing favorites or, you know, they're giving sympathy snaps because of what veterans have done at South Carolina. I don't think that's happening. But what I will say is this. You're gonna have a really tough time convincing anyone in Gamecock Nation that Luke Doty should be getting those snaps at wide receiver over Nicholas Harbor, over Tyshawn Russell, over Kyla Corton, over any of the other freshman wide receivers, especially Nick Harbor. That he's-not-ready thing, it's only going to last so long. People are only going to buy that for so long. God bless Luke Doty. Thank goodness he's a Gamecock, and thanks to Luke Doty for being a selfless football player. But you're going to have a really hard time time if you're Shane Beamer and company continuing to say we got to get these freshmen out there we got to play these freshman wide receivers wide receiver room's an issue we got to have some young guys step up we'll give them a chance to step up you're letting the offensive line learn trial by fire you're letting them learn with live reps why not let Nicholas Harbor do the same God knows you blew a bag to get him in Columbia. And if you're not careful and you don't play him some, I'm not saying this is going to happen, guys, but the transfer portal on NIL is a real thing. And so, if you want my honest opinion, I think Luke Doty's done some nice things at wide receiver. I, I think that's a more natural fit for him. But again, when you think about the future of the football program, when you think about The best available. Forgive me, but I'd argue that a Nicholas Harbor who does not know what he's doing is still far superior than a Luke Doty who played wide receiver in high school at Myrtle Beach. Like, who gives a damn, bro? He don't run a 10-to-100-yard dash. He's not 6'5", 250. You're going to have a hard time convincing this fan base on a week in, week out basis that Luke Doty is a better option at wide receiver and is better in personnel than Nick Harbour is. Flat out, point blank, in a story, especially when you keep saying on a weekly basis that young guys got to play, freshman wide receiver. We'll put them out there. It's your call. It's your call. Get them out there. Sticking with wide receivers, guys, as I mentioned, another you know, playmaker's got to step up outside of Xavier Leggett, man. At some point, again, defenses are going to key in. You know, you play good defensive line. Spencer Rattler's going to be under the pressure. There's got to be somebody else to look at, right? Got to be somebody else to look at. Xavier Leggett, five for 50, but they're going to take him away. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be 200 yards a week. He's not going to be 150 every week. There's got to be who's wide receiver two now. Marion Brown, two for 47. Omega Blake, two for 20. Those guys do some nice things here and there, but somebody has to emerge as a a true big-time playmaker, and my goodness, how much this football team is missing Juice Wells right now. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and game time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to gametime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S P or S U P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Speaking of that, guys, I will say this on a positive. I think Trey Knox is emerging into a nice weapon at the tight end spot. Uh, Another good game for Trey Knox, led the team in receiving. Granted, it was toward the end of the game, 7-for-51, excuse me. But he needs to continue to come on, man. I mean, South Carolina just has not really gotten what they thought they were going to get out of the tight end position. You know, Joshua Simon, um, two catches for 11 yards in that game, but he hasn't been the big-time playmaker explosive like people thought he was going to be. That tight end position needs to come along. That tight end position needs to grow and grow quickly because – You're still searching for answers at wide receiver. If you don't get Juice Wells back, you got some athletes in that tight end room that I think need to become more of a part of this offense moving forward. Switching sides of the football, guys. Going to the defensive side. For just a moment, I'm going to jump on this side of the fence. That's the side of the fence that's defending Clayton White. Now, I'm going to go back to the other side here in just a second. But let's look at this game against Tennessee. 41 to 20 the final. Guys, here's my thing about this game. You have a pick six, right? So really your defense gives up 34 points. I literally said last week, I was asked, Chris, what's the number of points South Carolina has to score to win this football game in Knoxville? I said 35, and wouldn't you know it? That game was always going to be a shootout, guys. It was always going to be a shootout. Did South Carolina play great defensively? Absolutely not. We're, we're going to get into it. Trust me. But with all this energy towards Clayton White, and I, I, I'm just, I'm not sitting here after five weeks calling for his job yet. I'm not doing that right now because I look at that game. That was always going to be an offensive game. That was always going to be a shootout. Guys, it's the new SEC. Look at old Miss LSU. Sometimes you got to drop a 50-bomb, a 50-burger to win. It's, it's the nature of the beast, guys. And so, we're going to have a real conversation and real discussion about Clayton White as we get closer to the season when the dust settles. But I did not leave that game in Knoxville saying, you know what, Clayton White, he's a bum. That's the reason Carolina lost. I mean, guys... You had to score mid to upper 30s to have a chance to win that football game, and you couldn't do it. That's why you lost the football game. That's why you lost. On the flip side, I will say this. Jumping back to the other side of the fence, right? With that being said, if you're a Clayton White defender right now, the thing going against you more than anything is that the numbers are what they are right now. The numbers are what they are, man. South Carolina still continues to rank at the bottom of the league in every major major defensive statistical category. Every single one of them, guys. Every single one of them. And then you look at what Tennessee did. You know, you came in that game. You knew you had to make Joe Milton uncomfortable. And, hey, you got two picks off him. Thing is, like, you sold out against Mississippi State to take away the run game, take away Woody Marks, and make the quarterback beat you. Why didn't you do it here? Like, and I I think Tennessee is better than Mississippi State in the trenches, for sure. But, I mean, 238 rushing yards, guys. Jalen Wright, 16 for 123. Japari Small, 11 for 59. Dylan Sampson, 9 for 49. Each of those three guys at the touchdown. Death, taxes, in South Carolina football not being able to stop the run. And when you're leading tacklers are Jalon Kilgore and Nicky Manwari and D.Q. Smith, you got some problems. Because that's your last line of defense that's making these tackles. So that means they're getting to that level. They're getting to that level either without being touched or without being brought down. Not a good sign for your defense. But the numbers, even if you're an adamant Clayton White defender, like you can't fight those numbers because guess what? At the end of the day, Shane Beamer might go out there and say, hey, we're two and three. We don't feel like we're two and three. Well, you are. Well, you know, I feel like the defense is keeping us in games and they're not that bad. They are. They are that bad. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Wrap your head around this defense stinks. It's one of the worst in the SEC. South Carolina might win seven or eight games this year still, but they're going to have to overcome having a porous, crappy defense. That's it. The defense stinks. And so that's why right now, like, I'm not sitting here through five weeks calling for Clayton White's head. I'm not doing that. I'm not ready to do that. I'd much rather us discuss those things toward NFC's. Listen, guys, I've been the fire of the coach, guy. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like. I have no problem calling it for what it is. Think of last year. We did this with Marcus Satterfield. I've called for a head coach's job. Trust me. I have no issue in doing so. With that being said, just because I'm not doing it, I'm not going to come at anybody that wants to say fire Clayton White. Because look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. Year three. Year, year three, man. Year three, you still can't stop the run. Year three. Year three, you still can't get somebody off the field on third down. Year three. Year three, you're still considered one of the worst defenses in the conference. In year three. Year three. three. And maybe the most damning thing of all, You lost all that experience on defense, right? You lost your top two corners. You lost Jordan Burch. You lost Gilbert Edmond. You lost Zach Pickens. And who'd you go get in the portal to replace him? Jerron Willis, who ain't played. Drew Tuazama from UAB, who joined the team a week before the season started. And JT Gear, who can't seem to get healthy. Who else did you add? Anybody? Did you add any corners? Did you add any DBs? Did you add any impact players on defense? The answer's no. No, you did not. It is more so about Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's, but when the people calling the X's and O's can't go out and get the Jimmy's and Joe's, that's when you got a problem. Guys, I just mentioned, you got to find some dudes in the trenches, man. It's recruiting. It's transfer portal. You you got to get some dudes in the trenches. Right now, like, the guys you have, there's going to be flashes for sure. You know, I thought TJ Sanders going down in that game. Shane, you were mentioned, was uh, a big turning point, no doubt. But you just don't have the bodies up front, both sides, but certainly defensively. Um, you're still weak and porous at linebacker for some reason. Grayson Pup Howard. I don't know if he, I don't know if he really played in that football game or not. I want to say he did. Um, yes, he did. Okay. Three tackles in the football game, not much of an impact. Um, you just got to continue to stack dudes. You got to continue to stack dudes. And, you know, we talked about, by the way, play calling personnel. Let, let's not leave Clayton White out, guys. It, it, it's, it's suspect. It, it's, it's suspect, to say the least, right? Coming out of halftime, you, you know you got to get a stop. Tennessee just runs it right down your throat. No adjustment made whatsoever. And if there was an adjustment made, it wasn't a very good one. Got to get some dudes. Speaking of dudes, Jalon Kilgore, a future star. For sure. Uh, The interception he had, he was our MVP of the football game. 15 tackles, guys. The way he's playing as a true freshman, uh, had some great one-on-one tackles in space. I thought, man, that kid, again, he's going to be one of the – I think he's probably going to be the next great defensive back at South Carolina. Um, Guys, Beamer Ball, finally emerging on a fake point. Love to see it. Uh, the pass from Kai Kroger to Xavier Leggett, it's unfortunate you couldn't capitalize on it. But that was a bright spot in the game. I think you're going to see something or something you're going to see South Carolina continue to utilize, especially. I mean, it, it's going to have to probably be one of those things that you got to steal points, not just steal first down, steal points as well. And, um, you know, I, I think Beamer ball has to continue to be really good. Uh, guys, I, I'll just say this on Therapy Monday and cover your ears if you don't like to hear it, but so be it. Tennessee has once again uh, passed South Carolina as a football program. We, we talked about the impact of this football game, how South Carolina, if they could go into Knoxville, win this game, it was going to you know, kind of signify a changing of the guard or the SEC East hierarchy, and that's why that's such a pivotal game. Tennessee's ahead of South Carolina. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, there's no really debate. There's no debate, right? You, you can talk about the history of Tennessee since 2000, and they haven't been good in my lifetime, but – Well, they're still Tennessee football. They're still one of the the winningest college football programs in history, and they still have a national title. They've still won SEC titles. They still have great history and tradition, and now they've beaten you two out of three. And, guys, we've talked about before that for South Carolina to pass Tennessee as a program, South Carolina has to do two or three X what Tennessee has to do because Tennessee's already got history and tradition going for them. They've already got brand going for them. They've got all those things South Carolina does not have going for them. So South Carolina has to do two or three X to get the credit that Tennessee gets just for doing the norm at baseline. It's unfortunate these two teams won't meet moving forward, but Tennessee football uh, back ahead of South Carolina. That's that Bottom line, point blank, it's not even up for debate. Uh, final thing, guys, and my question is this. Will this fan base, and I just, I I leave this, I leave from this game asking this question, certainly not throwing a shot at the fan base. I I just wonder, will this fan base give Shane Beamer the time he needs to build this football program? And because of transfer portal, NIL, the, the clock has now been sped up on coaches. I mean, should he get as much time? I guess that's a good question, too, because, guys, I'll admit to you, when Shane Beamer was hired, I said, hey, Gamecock Nation should lock in for a decade. As long as Shane Beamer's making bowl games, let him build. You roll the dice and give it a shot. You need to see it through good, bad, or indifferent. I don't think he's getting 10 years, guys. And I tell you right now, and I, nobody wants to have this conversation. I'm not saying we should start firing this conversation up. But based off the reaction I've seen from Gamecock Nation since Saturday, if we're in year five, if we're two years from today, and South Carolina's still fighting to get to six and six, seven and five, there's going to be some real pressure to make a change. Like, that's—Gamecock fans are tired of winning seven games, man. I mean, you you can see it. You can see it. Gamecock Nation is fed up. And so I just wonder, though, again— Tennessee got their program turned around like that. That whole conversation, that whole debate, some of you didn't like that either. Well, guess what? It's the truth. What's happened in Tennessee for Josh Heupel that hadn't happened at South Carolina? It's so funny, guys. I listed the coaching advantage to Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. People just were up and up. Have, you know, had a guy on Inside the Gamecocks. Have Chris explain how, how Tennessee has the coaching advantage. You know, have him. can you have him explain, like, how dare you say – and then in-game, you got people saying, God, Shane Beamer, your coaching staff, y'all stink, Josh Heifel this. I'm like, that's interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Anyways, Tennessee was able to turn around their program in two to three years. Guys, it takes two or three X time to do that at South Carolina because it's, it's exponentially harder. It is. Point blank, bottom line. We know that it's harder. It's harder. It's harder to do. Harder to build a program at South Carolina than many other schools. It is. It is. And it takes time. It takes time to get guys in the trenches. It takes time to get guys. But with Transfer Portal, NIL, rosters being flipped overnight, there's been some questioning. Is Shane Beamer willing to do the dirty work? Is Shane Beamer willing to be dirty? You know, bend the rules a little bit? I don't know if he is. I I, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know, man. But he'll have to be. He'll have to be because he's not going to get as much time as I thought he once was. I I really thought this fan base was buckled in and going to be patient and locked in for the long haul. I don't see it, man. I don't see it. I think if we're in year five having this same conversation, if we're in year five seeing the same thing, I think it's going to be ugly. Will this fan base give Shane Beeman the time he needs to build this football program? Results like Saturday nights are not going.